the parable of the tenants. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Paul. Morning, all. Morning. Good to be here. Jill, did you do your marathon? Yes. We owe you some money then, don't we? Fantastic. What did you do it in? Wow! Fantastic. Well done. I think she needs a round of applause for that. Can anybody here imagine running for six hours non-stop? No. Moved. <laughs> 15 minutes of it was meant queuing for the toilet. Well, it's very impressive, I think. I don't know how you do it, girl, but well done. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for a new day. 
And uh, thank you, Jesus, that we're all here together as part of your family. Lord, we are all the body of Christ, and uh, we acknowledge our need of you and our need of one another as we journey through this life together. Father, as we look at this Matthew's uh, gospel again, Lord, and this parable, um, just open our hearts, Lord, and minds. I know, Jesus, that you've got something for each one of us here. Help us truly to hear. Um, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. And all for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. So this parable, we learn of a landowner who's planted a vineyard and he's leased it to people because he wants to go on his jolly travels and he's off to another country. And this reminds us that God is the landowner and we are the tenants. He is the owner of all creation. We are not the owner of anything. He is. And we are his tenants. We are the stewards of this world. I'm suspecting with this parable that perhaps quite a few years had passed since the landowner went away. It sort of indicates that he went and he was back pretty quick for his fruit, but I'm thinking it was probably a few years, really. And the tenants had worked really hard, perhaps, producing amazing fruit. They'd pulled together, and they probably hoped that the owner would have forgotten all about them. Perhaps this owner had got many vineyards or scattered properties all over the world, and what was this little one that, you know, he needed it? And so perhaps they'd forgotten all about him, really. And in that sort of thought processes, they could then keep the produce for themselves. They sort of owned it. And that just reminds me of how easy we can forget that everything we have and own comes from God's gracious generosity. You know, when we bring the offering up, when we offer things, we often say, you know, you, Lord, provide all things for us and of your own do we give you. That comes from, I think it's numbers, but it's in the Old Testament. And we have to remember that we own nothing. And I've said before, and I'm going to say it again, we don't own our children, we don't own our family, we don't own our possessions. It's all gift. We can't keep it, can we? We know we are born into this world with nothing and we leave naked and with nothing. It's all stuff, it's all gift. Doesn't mean we don't do well, we don't look after things. We are called to be good stewards. But it's so important that we hold lightly. It's a letting go, hold lightly to stuff. I mean, I am not a hoarder, you know, um, I am not. I love clearing out. Nothing gives me greater satisfaction than clearing out, whether that's in the bin, charity shops, giveaway. We've started on Brooklyn Road. You can leave anything out on the pavement and it's collected. It's brilliant to live there for that reason. You can leave the most interesting and pretty rubbishy stuff out and it goes, you know. Um, in fact, I, um, this is just an aside. Um, when we were down at our caravan in Glastonbury a few weeks ago, I was drying my hair with a hairdryer. And I realised that the hairdryer in my caravan was far better than the hairdryer I've got at home. It was just better. So I took them on out of the caravan and I left my hairdryer on the street 
to give away because I think you don't need two air dryers, do you? You know, you only need one. And the neighbour next door said, "Did it? Does it work? Of course it works. I'm not. I'm not going to leave a hairdryer out there. Doesn't work. Anyway, within five minutes it had gone. It's great street to live on. Yeah, you can give away. You can give and you can give and you can give away. You know, we've all got too much stuff. Uh, but that's easy for me because I just give. I, I don't like stuff. Right. Anyway, but it's so important that we do hold loosely to things and the important things as well. You know." Our health is a huge thing, but we've got to give it to God. Keep giving it to God. But the tenants really didn't want to share, did they? Well done. I've, I've, I've been all over with my notes here, so. Yeah, so I'll, this is just an aside. We too can be tempted at times to think that we can keep the fruits that God, of God's vineyard. We can. It's human, but we're not meant to. We are meant to let go. But the tenants really didn't want to share, did they? So they killed the servants. Wow, that's a bit drastic. Who came to, you know, just get the produce. And actually, the landowner must have been quite um, persistent. And he must have been quite, you know, okay in a sense, because he sends more servants. And they get rid of him. They get rid of them as well. But then he finally sends his own son. And of course, we know, don't we, that that corresponds with God so loving the world that he sent Jesus. He's hoping that the tenants will respect his son. Of course he is. And it sounds very familiar. God sent Jesus that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Think about all the prophets in the Old Testament that Jesus sent before. You know, the Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Amos, and on and on. So many people God sent to warn them, to repent, to turn back. And did they listen? No. You know, they came to awful ends. Awful ends. In fact, Jeremiah, not Jeremiah, Isaiah, the king so hated Isaiah, was sick to death of him preaching all this God stuff. He put up with him for years that he got a hollow trunk from a tree, stuffed Isaiah in it, and sawed him in half. I know, isn't it a shocker? Yeah. And that's how Isaiah ended his life. You know, awful. And God sends all these people, they don't want to hear. You know, they, they didn't want to hear about Jesus, did they? Because Jesus came with all sorts of stuff, you know, turn your life around, stop doing what you're doing, pack up. But nobody wants to do it, do they? So Jesus got hung on the cross. But the prophets suffered awful endings. And they killed their son, thinking that they could now inherit the vineyard for themselves. You know, you can't fight against God, can you? You know, you really can't. And Jesus then asked the question, what would he do to these tenants? I mean, don't you feel outraged? I felt outraged. Kill them all. You know, get rid of them. But of course, they need to be punished. And that's us, isn't it? But God is so gracious that he doesn't kill them all. But he said, well, I am going to give it to other people, other tenants that will produce the fruits. You know, that's why the Gentiles came in. We came in. The Jews didn't really want to know. Oh, reading this story, we do feel outraged, and so we should. You know, and here... 
What it boiled down to was the tenants had no fear of God. You know, it's, it's a fear of God is a right fear, a holy fear. There's a reverence and awe and majesty that is just so important. The mystery of God. You know, judgment will come. It will come. And these tenants didn't think that judgment would ever touch their door. And I wonder if we sometimes think that. Do we actually think that judgment will come? We're told it will, and we'll have to give an account. But when we're covered with the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, then our sins are forgotten. You know, the fear of the Lord, the Bible tells us, is the beginning of wisdom. And yes, we can talk about a loving Heavenly Father, and so we should, and so we should. Yes, God loves us, but don't let's just hanker on on that side of things. It's not the whole picture. It is not the whole picture. You know, God isn't going to pat you on the head and say, it's all right, son, daughter, I love you anyway. There is judgment coming. There is, because God is a God of justice. It's got to be served. Revelation, that book that we often avoid in the Bible, talks about the wrath of God being poured out on the world. You know, think of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, God had had enough of how they were living, so he destroyed them. It's true. What about Noah's Ark? The whole world was wiped out. And yeah, God promises never to do that again with a rainbow. But let's, I mean, I'm always on about this. Let's hold it in balance because we need both sides. But I do believe, I do believe that God will not pour out his wrath on his church at the end times. I, don't, I, I do believe that. Now that gets us into the rapture and that's a whole new area, which is a bit tricky. I haven't got beer all day talking about this but you know we are still waiting for the owner of the vineyard to return aren't we we're the tenants but we're still waiting 2,000 years later for that judgment to come it still hasn't arrived but one day it will and none of us can guarantee tomorrow none of us there is a day when judgment will come and we need to think of, I think what the re, I think one of the reasons we don't think about the judgment day or the end of the world is because it sounds too awful. So we read in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel and in Revelation and Daniel and Zechariah and Isaiah, we read about end times and the end of the world. And actually it's quite stark in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 23, 24, it's quite stark. But it's at our, it's at our peril that we don't engage with it. But I do believe, like I said, that God will not pour out his wrath on his church. Why would he do that? But it needs, it needs looking at. We need to be expectant for Jesus to come back. And I think often we're not because of what's going to come beforehand, what they call the tribulation. But there's all sorts of theories on that. But the Bible tells us we should be looking for Jesus' return and waiting for it. But just think what would happen today if Jesus returned, right? If Jesus came back today, 
Death is done with. No more death. Don't ever have to think about death again. No more sickness. No more pain. No more war in Ukraine. No more starvation. No more hatred. No more guilt. No more unforgiveness. All of that is gone. Gone. And that then is replaced by just pure, unconditional love that is poured out from God. So surely it's something that we should be expecting. We should be looking for Jesus' return and wanting it. I'm just, you know, my grandchildren, I've got five grandchildren from 40, 14, 14, 12, 12, and 10. You know, and it, it, I can't bear to think of what they is coming their way because of the world. And I mean, we, we may have all thought that. Our parents may have thought that over us. I don't know. But, you know, I, I want Jesus to return so that my grandchildren are, are with the Lord and with the Lord forever. You know, we've heard of Israel today. You know, this isn't about, you know, keep your eye on Israel. Whatever happens in Israel for the end times, keep your eye on Israel. And, you know, all those things would be gone if Jesus came back today. Don't we want that, really? Don't we want an end to some of the suffering that we see around us? I, I, I do. I would love Jesus to come back this very minute. But he's not come yet. But the promises is coming and we need to hold on to that. Don't let's be like the vineyard workers who think, oh, he's not going to come. So we can keep all the produce. It will never happen. He's not coming. He's not coming our long. Isn't so he won't come. The promise is he will. And you know, you know with time, for, for God this is nothing. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. You know, the timing, is, God isn't in our time. And when it happens, it'll just come. And it's, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus will return with all his angels. And those that are left on earth will be caught up with him in the air. And even though he's coming with his angels, it seems to indicate that those people that have followed Jesus, that are Christians, will come back with him at that point anyway. Fascinating read. We have to delve into it a bit deeper, don't we? I mean, it blows my mind. I don't get it all. I've not got the whole picture. But I do know that Jesus is going to return. And that will be a day of joyous, amazing celebration that we should be expecting and wanting. And, you know, as those vineyards workers wanted things for themselves, don't let's want things for ourselves. Let's let go. Let's, let's let others in. Give, give to others. You know, let, let's, let's be generous-hearted and give in and give and give. You, can't, you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. It is impossible. But let's, let's store up those riches, work the vineyard ready for when he returns that we can give. That we can give back to him. And as we give back, we, you know, what does Jesus say? What you've done for one of the least of these you've done for me. So as we do for others and give to others, we're actually doing it for God. We're doing it for Jesus. So important not to hold on to things. Well, my notes have gone really out the window. So that was really my takeaway for today. Um, 
just don't hold you know is there anything just think for a minute is there anything that you're holding on tightly to and that could be anything that could be from oh, I don't know some object some tiny thing that means the world to you to to a person to a job to health to money money's a huge thing huge you know is there anything that you are holding on to and it's for your benefit that you release it and let go it's for your well-being because god what does jesus say come to me come to me And as we let go, as we let go, we let God in. And we put God back on the throne, in the rightful place, with the bowing of the knee. Sovereign God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. You know, the world doesn't have wisdom. But actually, God's people do. Christian people can have the wisdom of God. Leaders don't if they're not following God. These people that lead us, they haven't got the wisdom that the Lord's got. But we have got with that wisdom. Everything belongs to God. And of our own, including ourselves, do we give back to him. Amen.